It's time for Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area national sports. Join the program by calling 217 356 9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217 351 5357. You can also email us at talk at WDWS.com. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Illini Pellow Saturday Sports Talk with you until 11 o'clock today. Lauren Tate is in the house, and we do have the phone lines open and a handful of guests lined up on uh, the program today on this March the 14th, capping off uh, a very unusual week, a roller coaster ride this week. Uh, it's really been something, hasn't it? It's an understatement. Isn't it? <laughs> unusual, yeah, it's unusual, yes. And we've got, it looks like winter's back for a few hours this morning with some uh, snow in downtown Champaign. But uh, we're going to talk things over on uh, the show today. Will Leach will join us, a national columnist, uh, and covers Major League Baseball as well as many other sports as well. John Crispin. ESPN basketball analyst will join us at 9.30. The uh, retiring Dr. Robert Gertler will be with us as well about 9.45. In the second hour, about 10.30, Josh Whitman will be in the studio. In between all that time, the phone lines are open, 356-9397. I was thinking, when was the last time, I think I know the answer, but when was the last time you felt this numb? Had to be 9-11, but... And then I go back, and you go back as well to the, the Kennedy assassination. I was yeah, the Kennedy thing was altogether different. Yes. Of course, it ha- was so stunning that one day I, w- I was halfway up through Michigan driving when the game was called off. That day, the game was going to be played that day. I was driving through the game. Just drove in a farmhouse and turned around mm-hmm. when it came back. But uh, that was, you know, that was a couple of – it was altogether different, though. This is, this is c- confusing because um, – uh, it's confusing in a lot of different ways because so few people have actually died from it, and it seems to be attacking mostly older as opposed to the younger. I mean, you could, for instance, you could have held that golf tournament, I think the players, you could have, you could have held it without really any concern of, of anybody being even catching the thing because well, – one thing, they're outdoors once it's warmer, and you could. I'm talking about without fans. You can play golf. You play golf all the time without fans, don't you? <laughs> you can play golf without fans. That's that's a doable thing, and I I would think that maybe. But the problem once the dominoes start falling, everybody feels like everybody has to stop. Well, plus in that situation, you've got a lot of volunteers. You got a lot of workers. That's true, but you can leave a lot of volunteer. You know, you can play golf without. I you, get it. You don't have to have somebody marking your ball down there. You don't have to. Have, you know, you can. If you, I think the main problem th- that the volunteers have is dealing with the crowds. I mean, they're not dealing with the players so much. Now, I, I'm not saying it's easy, but. You could limit it to everybody 30 years and under. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I saw where one country hadn't had a single death under 30 and another one hadn't had a single death under 40. So, I mean, this definitely is attacking older people with, you know, with lungs like mine that are starting to wear out or, or an immune system that's starting to wear out. There's a reason I've got you sitting on the other side of the room. <laughs> that's right. You know, the, in, in those other situations, the 9-11 Kennedy assassination, while things were 
temporarily suspended. You had you had the sports to look forward to. Yeah, and it was and, only a few days. Exactly. You had that going for you, and uh, that kind of brought people back together. I'll make a prediction. All these, all these plans to start up whatever, uh, let's say April 1st or April 10th or whatever, when April 1st or April 10th comes, they may not be able to start up. It may just continue. I mean, like baseball. They're saying, well, we're going to wait a couple of weeks. Well, you wait a couple of weeks, and then you analyze the thing. Is it going to be any better then than it is now? I have my doubts. Hopefully it is. I have my doubts about them playing the Masters at a later date. Why? Well, number one, they closed that golf course. That, after the Masters, the, the Georgia heat is just, you know, is bad for that golf course. I saw where they closed the course from May to October. Uh-huh. Come on. And then. What's the point of having a golf course? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that, they do what they want down there. But if you start looking at the fall for that, you got the Ryder Cup scheduled. And there's another issue. Well, what's going to happen with that? You got international players coming for that, and there's a lot of things to be determined, a lot of things to talk about. We'll take our first time out. We'll get Will Leach on the phone, get his thoughts as we work our way through uh, Saturday sports talk with no scores to give you, no uh, game coverage to give you. But we'll look, we'll do our best and be back with more after this. Stay with us on DWS. <music> is moving up on 909, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. Phone line open, 356-9397. Say good morning down in Georgia to Will Leach. Good morning, Will. How you doing? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Hanging in uh, best as anybody can right now. How are you guys doing? Yeah, don't know where to start on this. It's been <laughs> a, a, a weird week, a roller coaster ride, uh, Take us back to, if you can sum it up in any way, what your feelings on what has happened uh, starting with uh, Wednesday, I guess, when they started uh, making announcements about uh, tournaments with no fans, and that led down the road to no tournaments at all. Yeah, it's certainly uh, it's been quite a whirlwind. My, my family was in, uh, we went to Florida for spring break at spring break at the University of Georgia, so uh, we went down to visit uh, my, my wife's uh, uh, father and uh, boy, uh, Changed a lot. On Sunday night, we got in on Sunday, watched the Illinois-Iowa game. And <laughs> the world felt very different after that. Uh, yeah, you know, it's funny. I wrote a piece for New York Magazine on Monday, frankly kind of arguing that already felt a little bit like the sports world was behind uh, in, in this regard. I know it came as a, as a shock to a lot of people. I remember when the first, the first thing, that, the first shoe to really drop in American sports was the Ivy League, right? The Ivy League announced it was going to get rid of its tournament. And, and you know, a lot of people thought, well, that's the Ivy League. That's not really a tournament anyway. It's, uh, they, they're already, they already play games that kind of an unconventional schedule. And they, they, you felt like if anyone would make a move like that, it would be them. And, but if you remember, there was a backlash to that immediately from a lot of the players saying, we deserve this chance. How can this happen? And then, you know, then the ball started uh, dropping pretty, pretty quickly after that. So, it is disorienting, to, to say the very least, like it is kind of in every uh, other part of American life. Though it's been kind of interesting to see how sports has been in many ways kind of the reflector on this. I think there's a lot of people who really felt that, wow, the NBA closed its season? <laughs> they, like they, they canceled the NCAA tournament? I think that was almost a, a, an indicator to a lot of people of just truly how serious the, 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 this was, I think it was really some people thought maybe people were overreacting or or uh, or or maybe being too cautious. It felt like at that point, or maybe they were just you know hoping that like you could if, if maybe they just weren't paying that close attention to it at all. 
uh, it was hard to ignore after that. So it's been disorienting. It's been I, I think sports in some ways have led in an American sense in this regard, though I still think you can make a pretty good argument that they were probably still a little bit slow to act. You know, it also shows the power of sports. I mean, you see Disneyland close, the classes close. I mean, that's really huge. Uh, you know, all these uh, attempts to to do uh, classes from a distance, I think is going to, you're not going to get the same learning that you would get if you were on in a classroom. But it, the power of, of, of sports has really, I think it really had a big effect on the stock market too. I think sports itself contributed. Once the dominoes started falling, it just seemed like they collapsed. Yeah, you know, and it's also been a sign about how kind of half measures tend to not work in this regard. You know, originally, mm. Uh, the, the Korean Basketball League, the Korean Basketball League, actually originally tried to start with no fans. They they tried to have the the league without fans. It lasted two days. <laughs> it lasted two days, and then someone was connected to it, and uh, someone I think the, one of the teams stayed in the hotel that someone that, that had the virus, and so therefore they uh, uh, they they stopped it right there. I do think that a lot of this really comes down to that frankly twenty minute stretch on Wednesday night. I think that's where a lot of this came from, where. You had the president's address, and then you had, uh, which I which I think worried some people. I think that you had the cancel the the Rudy Gobert situation, and then you had Tom Hanks. <laughs> like really, that twenty minute situation. If you felt like maybe this wasn't a big deal, uh, that made it pretty clear uh, uh, that it wasn't the, uh, the 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 go. But I do feel like the the Gobert thing was a big deal because it made you realize, you know, in a way, you know, you, some experts had said you almost needed to see celebrities to have this, to feel like it was actually a real thing that wasn't just happening somewhere else that may sound kind of facile uh, or silly, but I think there's an element of truth to it. And uh, sports figures are big celebrities. and <laughs> This is a big deal. And, and also to see that, you know, Gobert gave it to, or seems to have given it to a uh, Donovan Mitchell or man. And there's an argument, maybe he gave it to a kid or maybe the kid gave it to him. Like, the idea of understanding how these things are passed and how sports, you know, one of the things I wrote for New York Magazine about this at the beginning of the week is the thing about sports is, you know, we always talk about how sports brings us together. Sports brings us together. It's a way if, you, if we disagree about politics or if you're older, or if I'm younger, or if I'm older and you're younger or of different backgrounds, sports is a way for us all to come together, which is true metaphorically, but it's also true Physically, there's really no other way. Uh, you know, I mean, if you if you on a on a game day in Ann Arbor, Michigan, it becomes that stadium becomes one of the 250 largest cities in the country. I mean, yeah. it really, I think that that's another thing that sports has, has kind of emphasized to a lot of people is that like this is the thing about this uh, this outbreak is you don't sports are actually central to it being spread. Uh, and so I think that that when you had when you realize you had to cancel sports, and then people I think understand what this was perhaps a little bit better. But on the other hand, there is that point that a lot more people are passing away as a result of influenza than we see happening in terms of. There's so many people that are getting it uh, that uh, that are getting the the coronavirus, but. Most of the young people, for for certain, in fact, almost 100% of the young people survive it and with with minimal problems. Uh, I, mean, I don't know what argument I'm making there, except that, uh, it, you know, you mentioned Gobert. Well, he's it looks like he'll be all right. Tom Hanks, it looks like he'll be all right. And it's almost like what they're going through is, is little more than uh, a, a bad cold or, or a flu. Isn't, isn't that accurate? Yeah, I, I 
I think so for them specifically. I think perhaps the larger issue, though, I mean, if mm-hmm. you look at what's going on in Italy, I mean, uh, mm-hmm. there's not, there are not people there that are just uh, are, are just kind of going through this with minimal issues. Uh, I think that uh, uh, I think one of the things I think it's lost in all of this. I think sports has actually helped a little bit in understanding this is the idea that even if you are if you are young and therefore maybe not at big risk for this, you still have a social obligation mm-hmm. <laughs> to not to to kind of stay away from people because when people are older and when people uh, are in situations where they might have uh, and forget not just older but even just compromised i mean like i for the record like i have i have friends uh with kids here who have lung disorders or asthma or a lot like this is something that attacks the the, the lungs and the brachial system those people are very much at risk mm-hmm. you know so i think the i think part of the job i think for someone that is a young and healthy and listen i don't know if i consider myself a young and healthy anymore i i do my best but uh, uh certainly i do feel like i if if i were to come into contact with it and were to get this it would be unpleasant but i think i would make it through i think i'd be okay but it's not just about me uh it's it's you know it's about people i might exposed to it it's about people who aren't you know uh, in the, the perfect physical condition as me lauren uh for, <laughs> uh for people that like don't necessarily have that sort of uh that may not have the immunity that, that i have or may not have the youth that i have it's part of my responsibility to not expose it to people who aren't as free as that because i think that's the yeah i think tom hanks is going to be fine rudy gobert is going to be fine the, the the manager of uh of uh the coach of arsenal the soccer team has it he actually says he's already feeling better. So that's good. Like this is not, you know, this is not the zombie virus from 28 days later that's going to, that's going to destroy everyone. But it, the problems are, I mean, they're going to get serious. And I think we're going to see them in the next couple of weeks. And I think that the, pro, the, the, the things that we do now, even if you are young and healthy or fine, are going to be able to help people two weeks from now. And uh, the, the worry, uh, I would argue, is that uh, – uh, whether it's already maybe a little bit too late. We're visiting with Will Leach. Phone line is open. We do have a caller waiting in uh, New York. Jeff, go ahead. You're on the air. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Um, I've uh, lived here in New York for 30 years, uh, which includes September 11th, 2001. On that uh, Tuesday, I was working in lower Manhattan, so I had uh, a pretty good seat for most of the events of that day. Um and I want to touch on a couple points Lauren made earlier, um, one of which uh, was about the effects of 9-11 and the JFK assassination, which I also remember. <laughs> I was uh, in grade school at the time, but I do remember it very well. And um, it is that those two events were finite, if you will. They happened and after that, it was about dealing with uh, what had happened, and you could make firm plans to move on, if you will, if mm-hmm. you understand what I'm what I'm getting yeah, at. Yeah, sure. And um, this is not. This is an ongoing process. And Dr. Fauci has said this, and Will just said it. You know, things are going to get worse before they get better. Well, can you give us any kind of guidance? Because um, I'm going to amplify on Lauren's prediction about uh, baseball starting on April 30th. I think there's an excellent chance we don't have a baseball season. And I'll go further than that. I think there's a pretty good chance we don't have very many summer sports at all, including the U.S. Open tennis. Um, we, 
I, I'm, I bet you we don't see any spring football um, or any of these things. And all I'm saying is I, I get that this is serious, although I think you make excellent points, Lauren, about who's being most affected and who's most at risk. But I get that this is serious, but can you can we start to get any kind of guidance on how long this is going to last? What do you mean by get worse? Are you going to lock down air travel? Are you going to are, are all stores going to be closed? I mean, I don't think the Italian comparison is a particularly relevant one because I read yesterday that Italy has one of the oldest populations of any country in the world. And most of the people who have passed away, there are of an advanced age. And as you pointed out, Lauren, it's, you know, people uh, under 40 and 30 and so on are seeming to come through it. Okay. I'm 67. I'm officially, I think they say elderly starts at 70. So I'm close to it. But, uh, you know, a moment ago, Will said something about people with asthma being at risk. My wife is asthmatic. We've already spoken to her physician, who is also a pulmonologist, and she says that with her particular condition, she's not particularly at risk for this. You know, I'd I'd like to ask. Yeah, I'd like to ask Will what you brought up. Uh, Will, what's the long-term situation? Uh, Mid-April, where are we? Because if we're yeah, certainly the other thing is, if we start two weeks from now, we're going to be if we start baseball two weeks from now, we're looking at the World Series being played over Thanksgiving. That's partially why I said that, and I'll shut up and let. Okay, Will Jeff, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. Go ahead, Will. Okay. Yeah, you know, I, I listen. I'm a professional sports writer. It is in my best interest for sports to come back <laughs> as quickly as possible. I don't know I'm going to be doing it myself for the next few months, uh, but yeah, you know. To me, I think if you're looking specifically just at baseball, putting aside for the moment, let's just say best-case scenario, I, and, uh, and I'm too worried about this, and this somehow goes away in the next couple um, month or month or so. Uh, if, even if that's the case, you know, baseball just sends its players home. <laughs> like they, the idea of, uh, I, I think that the general understanding among baseball is um, uh, the thirty, the thirty days or however long it was going to be, the two week. Uh, uh, postponement is unrealistic uh, for them to uh, they're, they're going to have to go through spring training again remember this is not like basketball where you just get these guys back into shape teach them some plays and they'll get back going you know pitchers pitchers look at the issues that we had last year with Dallas Keuchel and and uh, and um, and, um, uh, and basically the players that missed uh, Craig Kimball and the players that missed a lot of spring training they were kind of off all year <laughs> they really kind of struggled you know uh, spring, baseball is a sport that really Spring training is there to kind of build you up and to get yourself get yourself ready. And they were building up, and they kind of were all on their schedules, and they're going to have to kind of restart that. So it's really not a matter of just saying, oh, well, if they postponed it for two weeks, they'll just be able to get it going two weeks later. I think it's going to be a lot harder than that. I think it's going to be more difficult than that to do that. And uh, Whereas I think the NBA might be a little bit easier to get back going just because they were kind of midstream – uh, they were getting down to the end of their season. Baseball's kind of going to start over, and I think that that's what's a little worrisome. I think that if they do play a season, I think not playing a season is on is a possibility. I think things will have to get things will be have to have to make a worse turn. I think that will be obviously the last case scenario of what baseball will want to do. But uh, I do think that you're looking at if they do play a lot fewer games, 
Uh, I think that you may see something like um, uh, you may see the playoffs be different, where maybe it doesn't go best of seven in the series. It goes best of three in some of the series. But the World Series seems like it would always be best of seven. But the other series go best of three to fit them in quicker. I think if it becomes it comes down to it, they may have to play games at a neutral site in the World Series if one of the teams is playing in a place that's cold weather. Uh, I think they'll make a lot of adjustments. This is an unprecedented situation. You know, I wrote about this for New York Magazine this week, too. The idea that, like, a lot of people have been saying, well, sports has only been trying to keep the schedule straight because of money. And obviously, I think money is a part of this, where they were kind of hesitant to cancel a lot of games. But also, you know, I mean, we, we've been following basketball forever, right? Like, you say the word 1989, the, the, the year 1989, the first thing I think of is sports. <laughs> first thing I think of is sports. It's not, it's not what happened in 1989. It's, I remember the Illini. I remember all that, that team and everything. And I, I, 1982, I think of the Cardinals winning the World Series. Like, sports is very based in this idea of it happens every year. And it's happened, like, Lauren, you know this as well as anyone, like the whole idea of sports is that they've been playing Illinois basketball. They played basketball, Illinois basketball in 2020, and they played it in 1974, and they played it in 1951, and like this is what it is. It's a continuation thing. Sports is very, very hesitant to cancel things, and I understand it. I de- definitely get that. But this is an unprecedented situation. This goes beyond labor issues. This goes beyond like like an earthquake or 9-11 or the Kennedy assassination. This is something that not only, as the caller uh, noted, I think correctly – this is not something that, like, you get – like, we all go through a national period of mourning. I was also in New York uh, during 9-11, and I remember what it was like, and I remember, like, it really felt strange to have games, but it also felt, like, good to have the distraction. That, but that was a finite point. Like, there was a point where it happened, and then you mourned, and you started to try to start to heal. No one has any idea what the timeline is for that on this. And we're also in, frankly, the busiest time of the sports season. Basically, football is the only thing that's not going on uh, <laughs> right now. I think uh, uh, it's, it's led to a lot of uh, – it's, it's, it's a really uh, – uh, unbel- uh, it's a situation that no one could have anticipated that a week ago everything was going to seem like it was going to be on time. I think that uh, obviously sports is, is not the first and foremost thing for, for, for everyone right now. But I don't think there's any question that uh, uh, this is going to be a major disruption and in uh, one way or the other. And I think that the, there are worst-case scenarios out there, uh, but uh, uh, the, the, I'll, point out, I'll put, the, put it this way. If the worst-case scenarios happen, uh, getting the baseball season together might not be what's first and foremost in everyone's minds anyway. Uh, what's your thought about uh, scholarships? It looks like the spring sports are going to be seniors will be given another year if they want to come back. I mean, I'm sure a lot of those seniors already have plans to go elsewhere after they graduate. But uh, by the way, Illinois has only got three seniors on the baseball team that are fourth year seniors. They got Weber and Schmidt, both the pitchers and also the closer, uh, a pitcher by the name of Acton, who's really good who probably will turn pro. But it isn't going to. It's surprising if you're a good baseball player in college, you turn pro after your junior year. There is no senior year, and so they've only got three out of the whole squad. But my question to you is basketball. We know they're going to give the spring sports another opportunity once they can work out the scholarship difficulties. But what about basketball? They had an entire season. The only thing they missed is the postseason. What do you think? Will they get another year? I think. I think that they. I think it is a wonderful idea that's going to be incredibly difficult to implement. Uh, you know, it does feel uh, not just because of, um, of of what you talked about with the idea, like the season was almost over. I mean, there's a whole set of people that are locked to come in next year. Maybe you can get waivers. Maybe give so on. 
Illinois won't have any trouble writing off a scholarship, uh, given an extra scholarship, but there will be schools that will. <laughs> there will be schools that will run into financial issues on this. They will, they will, I, I would love to see it. I think everybody thinks that would be right and that would be justified and that would be fair. Um, it's just, boy, it's a difficult situation. It's a lot of moving parts uh, to figure out and, and, and during a time when – you know, no one's even sure when that's going to get going back again. You know, you know, I think that I think what we're, I think are the answers to a lot of these questions right now, you can't even really make plans for any of this stuff because we don't know what the next two weeks or two months are going to bring. And so, you know, it feels like you kind of have to batten down the hatches first. And I think that's telling. I think that's why it will be really hard for this to happen. The time where you can even make the decision on this, where you can actually get everyone together physically get everyone in a room and actually have them discuss and hash all of this out. It's actually down the line a little bit, but there's a timeline for these things. There's a, there's a running clock on this. At a certain level, you have to make a decision. I'm not sure circumstances are going to be such that people are going to be in a position to make that decision right now, or at least in the time frame that you would need to do it to make everything work. I think everyone agrees it should happen. Everyone would like the idea but again, it's such a – this is, again, just like the caller said, this is why it's different than like a one-time tumultuous event. This is still a timeline that is ongoing and really kind of just getting started. Uh, and so until you know how long that's going to take, I just don't know if any major decisions can be really made about anything. Well, we had you scheduled because we wanted to talk to you about uh, March Madness and the start <laughs> of baseball season. and uh, so yeah, we can't... That's what I wanted to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> had, you, uh, had you been at spring training at all? Yes, I was there last Sunday. Uh, I saw them. I saw the Cardinals play last Sunday. I've been around there that week. I dropped by a Marlins game uh, uh, at the Roger Dean as well. And you know, it's worth it's worth knowing. My my parents were there. I saw them before the game. They went to the last game. They went to the last game on Thursday, the one that they basically had called off the spring training in the middle of the game. And so they had till four o'clock to finish. My parents were at that game, and frankly, I was a little concerned about them being at that, in some sort of crowd at that game. But I think that. Uh, uh, I think that uh, the vibe was very much of uh, every like people at a baseball game. You know, it's just, we've all been to baseball games. Uh, people go to baseball games to escape. People watch sports to escape. They watch sports to get away from the worries of their everyday life. They want to go have a beer before the game and watch it with their friends and and, and growls about crying out loud, Fowler's making too much money. He shouldn't be playing right field. <laughs> they should have went out and signed somebody this year. All the things that you do as a sports fan, that uh, because we talk about them because life is really stressful and life is really exhausting. So, no, I do not think that people out there were, were, were out there being like, what about the virus? What are we going to do at a baseball game? They were doing what you do at a baseball game. And I think that, frankly, that's one of the reasons I think it was good for sports to shut things down because – you give people an opportunity to escape from their problems, they will take it. <laughs> and this feels like a situation that maybe we need to face, face it rather than, uh, than, than escape from it. So, yeah, I, it, it's, sad. it's a sad thing. I watched the, that Giovanni Gallegos strike out that last batter in the last spring training game and watch maybe the last sporting event for a long time on my computer in my, in my home with my son. He was like, well, Gallegos is good. I can't wait to see him pitch again, Dad. And I'm like, yes, me too, son. Yeah. I also cannot wait for that to happen. So uh, I think it's going to be a while, you know, and I think that – I think, but I did not get a, a vibe from that game or really any of the games that there was a uh, sadness or even a major awareness 
of all this. You know, people go to a game to get away from it, and I, I think that uh, I understand that. I think it's one of the reasons that sports is so enjoyable, but uh, I think it's also one of the reasons that... We're, we're going in stages. I mean, we start out with the idea, well, maybe they won't play. Oh, well, we can play without fans. Oops, uh, that isn't going to work. The ghost games don't work. Um, how about we wait two weeks? And now I'm thinking two weeks? What are we talking about? It's not going to be different two weeks from now, is it? I mean, I, it, all these things are settling yeah, into me one at a time, and, and now I'm realizing, oh, my gosh, it's going to be a long time. Yeah, and, and I think in two weeks, I mean, never minding how, much, how hard it's going to be to get back schedule-wise in two weeks, in two weeks, who knows what we're going to be going through? <laughs> and mm-hmm. and yeah. the idea that the last thing that may be on people's minds will be will be figuring out the baseball schedule. And I think that's where it gets scary, and that's where I think it starts to cast cane on itself. And frankly, that's why the timing of this was particularly terrible. <laughs> and uh, not, you know, I mean, th- that was the thing is the NBA was able to push pause for a moment. Baseball was able to push pause for a moment. The NCAA tournament did not have that that luxury, and so therefore I had to make a quick decision. But, like, pressing pause, once you press pause, like, time continues to go, and the situation continues to happen. So I think that you press pause and say, okay, we'll reevaluate in two weeks. I think we all know this thing is not starting in two weeks. And, uh, and, and I think that's the thing is whatever is going to happen, we're going to have to be fully through it. And listen, you listen to some experts, fully through it is – that could be a particularly long time frame when it comes to when it, when it comes to this uh, to this particular virus. So yeah, it's uh, I think that that's the thing. They had the press pause; they couldn't keep going. But uh, uh, it's again, that's what's I think hard about this when it comes to the sports idea is not only have you paused it, you have no idea. We don't even know the circumstances to where they can even start thinking about making a decision or making some sort of plan. If they said, okay, if you said right now, okay. Baseball's going to miss two months. That's it, two months, and you told baseball that, they'd be like, Oof, wow, two months is a really long time, but we can figure it out, and we'll sit down, and they'll try to figure something out, and, it will, and there will have to be changes, and some people will like them, some people won't, but you'll have to make that decision. The problem is you don't know that. You don't know that it's going to be two months, and I think that, that, that's why it's, it's such a difficult situation. Is, uh, uh, you don't, there are so many variables in place before you can even start think of thinking about uh, uh, getting baseball back going again. Great points, great conversation. We appreciate your time, Will, as always, and uh, try to stay as busy as you can. Yep, absolutely. You guys stay safe. Stay, stay safe up there. You bet. Will Leach with us, everybody, on the Line Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Nine thirty-four is the time. We'll take a break. Be back with more after this. Stay with us. Hey, welcome back to the show, everybody. Illini Fellow Saturday Sports Talk with you here on News Talk 1400, DWS, Champaign-Urbana, Steve Kelly, along with Lauren Tate. And we're with you until 11 o'clock today. Thanks to Will Leach for spending some time with us. We now say good morning and welcome to ESPN basketball analyst John Crispin on the line with us. John, good morning. Where were you expected to be this morning? Oh, wow. Uh, it's it's crazy to even think about it. I, I was expected to be in Atlantic City for the MAAC MAC uh, championship today. I uh, would have been there yesterday for the semifinals and then off uh, off to Bristol tomorrow morning for, you know, Selection Sunday show and IT Selection Sunday. Uh, it's 
it's truly surreal. Um, but it's funny because I come home and, and I always say like home is, is real life. And, and what I do on the, on the road is, is just kind of for fun. It's play, it's sports. And when you come home, you realize like the entire country is affected by this. We're not alone in this. You know, my, my wife is a teacher. Her school shut down for two weeks at, at you know, minimum, uh, likely much more. So, you know, grocery stores are, are shut down. It's like a lot of the uh, non-essentials are, are, are uh, shut down. So it's crazy. As much as we think this is the biggest thing in the world in sports, it's a big thing in our world. So in some ways, I'm, I'm come, kind of brought back to reality to say, okay, as much as we're frustrated, as much as I'm already bored, um, it's, it's a bigger issue. For guys like us that kind of make our living in sports, it, it takes yeah. a while for that to actually hit home, doesn't it? Really, because you're so involved, not only being a sports fan, but uh, working in it, covering games and such. I mean, we, we like to, like, it's hard because it, the first thing is always self, right? It's, you first look at and, and see how this affects you. It's, I just think that's natural. It's human nature. And I look at the NCAA tournament. And, you know, I, I worked in the NCAA tournament for, for Westwood One. I'm, I'm supposed to be in studio a total of 10 dates from now to the end of the season. So you look at that and go, that's what we do, but we can't work. Like it's, it's a very strange feeling, but again, you, you start to think about everybody else. Um, we've talked about, you know, people at arenas who take tickets and fill your Coke and sell beers and work security and they're hourly. Uh, we think about them, but we also got to think about the restaurants, uh, the hotels, the, the tourism in general, the, the overall economic impact this is going to have on a lot of these, what would have been NCAA tournament sites, too. I mean, there are cities that are losing millions and millions of dollars, I mean, hundreds of millions of dollars, quite frankly. Uh, so, so I think it should remind us of how serious this maybe not is. Here's the thing. I think people get so caught up in the fact that it doesn't feel that serious, and it doesn't mean that it won't be. Uh, I think that's, that's the way to look at this, is to say, yes, you're right. It doesn't feel that serious now. I think in our country, we have great resources. Um, we have information in the sense that we know how to distance ourselves to try to control this thing, maybe a 48-hour quarantine. Just stay home for 48 hours, and if you're expressing, expressing any symptoms, then you get checked. That's a great way to just kind of get control of this. Uh, but, but at the same time, you know, it is, it is sobering. It's humbling. Uh, that, you know, something invisible in so many ways can have such an impact on society, particularly when you take our sports away. How dare you? Well, John, you know, uh, I'm just now settling into the idea. I I said this goes in stages, and I'm just now settling into the idea that two weeks from now, they're going to be making more decisions, and I don't see those decisions being positive as far as sports is concerned or as far as anything, as far as classes are concerned. I, I just don't know anything that's going to be better two or three weeks from now. What do you think? Yeah, it's, it's hard to imagine it. You know, I, I do wish that we as a society could express patience um, because I think if we were able to express patience and not panic, because we do as a society, we panic, right? There's no toilet paper available. I mean, this is a virus that cannot live in 75 degrees or 77 degrees or more. It's not heat resistant. So I think we understand that there will be a time that we're going to get control of this, even if it just goes away, you know, and we're going to figure out how to treat this. We're going to figure out how to, you know, vaccinate against it. I mean, I'm sure there, there are companies out there that are looking for the trillion dollar cure right now. I think we're going to figure that out. Um, 
but it doesn't mean it's going to happen anytime soon. I, I wish in a way our society could express the ability to be patient, because if so, I do believe that we could have made decisions maybe two weeks from now, maybe four weeks from now, as opposed to, hey, let's just cancel everything and, and, and we're, we're done. Um, I think it affected too many kids. It affects too many people to just shut everything down. And I, I, whether the information is any better, I do feel like the, whether the information is, is positive in terms of what we want or if it's just better information, it's always going to be better information two weeks from now or four weeks from now than it is today. And again, whether there's a positive outcome to that and, and we feel much better about where we're at or whether it's just better you know, information, I do think that we should just take some time. Be aware of what we can do to, to take care of this. Be aware of what we can do to take care of ourselves and others. But, but oftentimes, just be patient. This is a big issue. If we could just be patient, maybe four weeks from now, we might say, you know what, we do want to hold an NCAA tournament field, and we're going to do it like the NIT. We're going to play on, on host sites, and it's going to be smaller. There might not be fans, but if you go back to it, right, they took fans away, and we freaked out. How, no way we could have an NCAA tournament without fans. Right now, we have no NCAA tournament. Kids would be happy to play without fans. It's amazing how within one day our perspective can completely change. It's, it's no longer how can we get fans to our games. It's how can we actually play these games. So I do wish that we could just be a little bit more patient, sit back, get better information, whether it's positive for what we want or not, at least we'd have better information. Hey, John, let's talk a little basketball. <laughs> yeah, man. Player of the year, player of the year in the Big Ten, player of the year nationally. Where'd you, where's your vote? Uh, it's honestly Luca Garza. Okay. And, and I know a lot of people want to go Obi Toppin, and, and I, I don't want to take away from Obi Toppin. I also think Devon Dotson at Kansas, in terms of how they were able to adjust throughout the course of the season, so much of that relied on the point guard play of Devon Dotson. Um, I really do think Luca Garza had one of the most phenomenal individual years. Um, you also have to consider he's doing this in the Big Ten, which, come on, we all know. The Big Ten is as good as it's ever been. And I say top, I, I say bottom to bottom to top all the time. I like a lot of good Big centers, Ten, by the way, that top. he was going up against every night. I mean, you think about the fact that Daniel Oturu, with his numbers, is not a first-team All-Big Ten. Well, there's a reason why not. Um, Kofi Coburn had a ridiculous year, another physically dominant center, and Luca Gar, I mean, Xavier Tillman, I mean, Mike Watkins, I can go down the list. Uh, Stick Smith, I mean, there are so many good bigs in this league. And for him to have the numbers he had, but also you have to consider the injuries that they have. They were playing seven guys at the end of the season, and this guy continues to deliver. I just feel like anybody that really watched him, um, and nationally, and not a lot of people watch Iowa, they, they watch the Blue Bloods. And quite, you know, quite frankly, they don't even watch Luca Garza the way they watch Obi Toppin because Obi Toppin has highlights on, on SportsCenter every single day. You know, Luca Garza wasn't a highlight guy, but he was he was a results guy. The guy got results. He played hard. He made his team better. And if you take Luca Garza off the floor, I was not even in the NCAA tournament conversation. So I, I do feel like it would have been great to honor Luca Garza in the season that he had. But man, there were so many. You see, now Garza is the Player of the Year and won't be drafted in the first round for sure. Might not even yep. be drafted in the second round. Have you ever seen anybody like that that's that good and the NBA is not looking at him? Well, it's kind of like the Tim Tebow of, of college basketball, yep. right, where you've yep. got a guy who 
is a great college basketball player. Does it mean he's going to be a great pro? No, it doesn't. But it doesn't, it doesn't mean we should take away from what he's done in college basketball. College basketball is so different than the NBA. You know, kids don't have the feel that NBA players have, partially because NBA players play 83 games a year, if not more. Uh, these guys play. They, un- they understand how to play the game with four other superstars. Now, they may not be max contract guys, but they're still some of the greatest play- basketball players in the world. So you develop a feel for the game. In college, it's just different. You have to understand how to play within structure. You have to understand how to play within certain boundaries. And, and that's where you have the difference between guys like a Luca Garza and a Stick Smith, who's a lottery pick. Mm-hmm. You know, Stick Smith has that next level upside, whereas Luca Garza, I said it before, um, I forget who, who was in studio, I called him slow footed. And um, I said he's one of the best slow footed bigs you'll ever see. And they're like, oh my God, what are you doing? You're saying he's slow footed. I go, yes, he is. He is heavy footed. He's got great footwork. He understands how to play, but he also understands how to manipulate manipulate the game to, to his way, where he plays outside. He, he he uses good footwork inside. He plays with a high motor. I think there are things about him that we have to be okay saying that he's a great college player, regardless of of how much further his career goes at the NBA level. That's a guy that can make a million dollars playing overseas. I guarantee you that he can make a million dollars playing overseas. And I think any of us any of us would be happy to play 10 to 15 years making that kind of money anywhere in this world. A couple of more minutes with the John Crispin, ESPN basketball analyst. Let's turn it around to Illinois. Your thoughts from uh, uh, the situation here where Illinois went from 21 losses last year to 21 wins this year under Brad Underwood. And your thoughts on Io DeSumo and what uh, is next for him. Yeah. Well, Io's a tough one. I mean, it's a shame because he's the kind of guy to me that could have had an NCAA tournament like a lot of other superstars in the NBA where they go and do it on a, on a big stage and you go, wow, this guy's good. Um, you know, I, I do think that the Big Ten is so team-oriented that it's hard for individuals to get as much credit as they deserve. Um, it's also recognized as a physical league. It's a structured league to some extent. And I think what the Illini have done is they've kind of, a, not eliminated, but they play with less structure. And to me, they play with more feel. And, and, and that's where an Io DeSumo, to me, is a guy that if he got on a national stage, you'd realize how next level he really is. You'd realize his length. You'd realize his defense. You'd realize his ability to create and make shots and also take and make big shots. There's something about guys like that. He's got that, he's got that end game type scenario guy where you're like, if, if, the, if the game is coming to a close and we're up one, down one, close, that's the guy you want to have the ball in his hands. He's always delivered. Uh, and, and I do think the NCAA tournament would have been, would have been really good for Io DeSumo. But on top of that, I think it would have been good for the, for the fighting Illini. I think the fighting Illini were the type of team that can match up with anybody in the country. Um, it's taken some time this season. Last year, look, last year's start to the season was so tough. Tough schedule. Hard to find rhythm, the way they wanted to play. They were still playing small. You know, Georgie Bashanastili was their big. They were playing small. They were playing through him around the perimeter. They used him in the post. But really, they were, they were still small. So they had to play fast. They, they had some limitations. You bring in Kofi Coburn, it's not going to work right away. But I felt like if that season went on, I'm like, this is a team you better be paying attention to. Sure enough, they're at the tops of the Big Ten standings uh, a few weeks into the season. And, and I felt like that's what you're going to see under Brad Underwood going forward, better balance. Uh, still a tough team to match up against, 
And I, I can't say enough about how much since day one I have liked Brad Underwood. I don't think he gets enough credit. I think his, he's kind of high risk, which you should get excited about. You should get excited about a team that's willing to play with risk and throw caution to the wind at times and be aggressive and assertive because you're going to get better recruits. You're going to play with better pace, better tempo. The style is going to recruit itself. So, so I feel really good about the, the, the direction of, of, the, of the Illini right now because, man, it, it is a fun brand of basketball. And I think across the country, they're going to start to be recognized more and more as that, that program that it once was. I feel like it's got that feel again. John, I asked Will Leach's question. I'll ask you, what do you think about the possibility of the seniors being granted another year of eligibility in basketball? We, we know it's going to happen in spring sports. Do you think and they've played an entire season, basically? Do you think they'll let the seniors come back? No, I don't. I don't think you can. And, and this is where I, I disagree with with some of the and look does it sound great yes but i disagree with some of my my counterparts in this business who they want to dictate whatever the ncaa does and they want to use words like it's incredibly reasonable to do so it's incredibly reasonable from an emotional standpoint from but from a logistical standpoint it's not it's just not you're talking about recruiting you know what do you do do you increase scholarships uh there's there's too many logistics The, the bottom line is it just stinks how about records? You know, do I feel for Lamar Stevens? Absolutely. Lamar Stevens deserves to be the leading scorer of all time for Penn State basketball. He's seven points away. He would have gotten that at the Big Ten tournament. He would have gotten even more in the NCAA tournament. Uh, but you just simply can't do it. They played an entire season. And quite frankly, they played as many games as – I mean, quite, they played more games than I played my, my sophomore year. We went to the Sweet 16. The amount of games that are played now is incredible. So I, I don't think you can actually do it. It's one of those things logistically where a team plays an entire season. You can't just say, oh, well, basically we'll redo it and then add new kids to the roster and we're going to increase scholarships. Well, that sounds great for the Big Ten programs. Sounds good for the ACC, the SEC, the Big 12, who's got the money to do so. But what about the mid-majors who are sitting there going, guys, we, we can't afford 17 scholarships. Like, we, we legitimately can't afford it. And is it the NCAA's job to pay for that across the board? I, I just think logistically it's not something that can be done. I, I think it will cause more problems in the end. But the, the mere fact of the matter is, guys, sometimes it's okay to say something stinks. This <laughs> just stinks. Life is not fair. These things happen. Um, we, we live in a society that wants to blame, but we don't really know who to blame. So I think we just need to step back and say this is a bigger issue than sports. I was affected by a bigger issue than sports. That's how you'll always remember it. I missed an opportunity to play in the NCAA tournament. It stinks. It's not fair. But in so many ways, man, that's life. And I, I just think we're going to have to live with that. And I'm not going to be one of those guys that says, like, it's incredibly reasonable for them to consider this. Um, because I think logistically it's a lot bigger than anyone realizes. I mean, you'd be rewriting record books too. Hey, John, we really appreciate you coming on. I know you'd have been too busy if the tournament was going on. So we're lucky to oh. have you. And, and we got to keep, you got to stay in practice, right? You got to stay in practice oh, yeah. of what you do. Well, we're helping yeah. you that way. Yeah, <laughs> man. I, I got this in Sirius XM radio and, and, and a lot of golf. And I'm about to be a husband and future father of the year because I'm home. <laughs> Good stuff, John. Thanks for your time. Thanks, hey, my John. pleasure, guys. Take care. You bet. John Crispin, basketball analyst from ESPN, 953 
on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We're going to visit with Dr. Robert Gertler, who is uh, retiring. We'll retiring? Do that in, is he retiring? In just a couple of minutes. Need to do some business here first, and then uh, we'll be back with uh, Dr. Gertler. Josh Whitman scheduled with us coming up next hour. Stay with us. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on DWS. <laughs> And 56, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Getting uh, till 11 o'clock today. Phone lines are open, 356-9397. With Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly. Thanks to Will Leach for joining us. John Crispin just completed a conversation with him from ESPN, basketball analyst. And as I mentioned, the phone line is open. Dr. Robert Gertler is in the house. Carl, orthopedic surgeon, longtime team doctor for University of Illinois Sports. Good morning, Doc. Good morning. You're uh, going to hang it up. You were honored last week, and uh, tell us about that decision to do that. Well, it's one of those things you've got to do at some point, and I want to do some other things in my life while I still can, so uh, I'm going to stop doing surgery and start a new and different life. <laughs> and you've been here how long? Thirty-six. This is the 36th year. Mm-hmm. Some of your highlights? Uh, Sports-wise, I don't want to get into all your medical highlights, but... uh, I would say that just being part of the University of Illinois um, sports program has been an honor and a thrill. Um, I got to the Rose Bowl. We've... uh, The NCAA tournaments were a blast. Um, But just taking care of the kids. uh, I've met some outstanding young men that have gone on to... Unbelievable careers, not all in sports, right. but a lot of other things. How, what's the worst injury you ever had to deal with in sports, on the field? I mean, a situation that happened in, in a game. You know, we were talking about that trip to Washington State. Remember where the bus broke down yeah. going from the airport? Yeah. And um, in about the third quarter of that game, there was a referee. I don't know if you remember this. Got high load by two players. Do you remember that? I don't. I don't remember and, that. And uh, I went out and picked up his leg, and Oops. there was nothing there. And uh, as we came back on the airplane, we heard that he had a femur fracture and a tibia fracture. Wow. So uh, one of those freak accidents where the players just hit him. I'd have to say that's not somebody I treated, but it was perhaps the worst injury I've seen. Where were you when Father Duncan got hit on the sideline? I was standing right beside him. <laughs> I bet, did you that get, one scared me. Man, did he get hit hard. He got cold cocked, and I was standing right beside him. I looked down, there's the father on the ground. I thought, this is bad. Yeah. But he was okay. Yeah. And did you ever get uh, injured on the sideline? I did not, but I was also standing beside uh, Dr. Kerouac when yeah, he I got hurt. Remember that. And, uh, but I was watching the field. Um, and uh, I stepped aside when those players came. I watched the field I when I was, was on a, football. It was Mikel LaShore, I believe. That, uh, I believe it was, yeah. and, and he was moving. <laughs> I wasn't on the sideline very much because we didn't come down until the end of the game, but I came, you know, when you come down, you follow the team along the sideline, and the game's close, and you know you're trying to be ahead of the play a, a little bit, and I thought, if somebody comes over here, I'll just jump aside. Somebody came out uh, rolling on that sideline. I had no chance. He missed me by inches. 
if he'd hit me, I, I, I couldn't get out of the way. It was too fast. I didn't realize how fast those guys run. <laughs> that is true. And uh, the sidelines in football, you've got to pay attention because yeah. they, they come off that field fast. Well, uh, you say that um, the future doesn't uh, – oh, I wanted to ask you something. You mentioned the other day how many surgeries you had on a particular day. What was your average day like, when you, the working days? Well, usually about six – Five or six surgeries, usually. What types of surgery? Day. You're limited to certain types of surgeries. Well, in, over the years, I've gotten so I do basically only knees and shoulders. But mm -hmm. I, I didn't start out that way. But um, as our group uh, got more subspecialist in other areas, for instance, foot and ankle, I don't do mm -hmm. any of that, or hand. So I sort of drifted towards what really is most common in sports which is knees and shoulders. Yeah. Well, they say if you stay around long enough, you'll see everything. And now we're seeing something that none of us had seen before uh, uh, this week with the coronavirus. Uh, how has that affected you? Well, it hasn't affected me yet. But one of the things I want to do in retirement is do a lot of traveling. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I'm for a while going to be rethinking that. Um, I'm certainly not going to Italy. Um, we had a trip planned that I think we're going to have to reschedule. But um, in talking about the coronavirus, I don't know a lot about it, except that it really points out in a way that's never happened in my lifetime that we share this planet. And we share it with everybody. And uh, I, I would say that the things that are being done to control it are necessary. And... Um, very important because a lot of people could die. What do you see uh, in terms of uh, what? What's, how, how do you judge the long-term situation? I brought up several times this morning the fact that, you know, they're going to talk, uh, reevaluate in early April, and a lot of things are going to be reevaluated. I'm wondering, is there going to be any difference two or three weeks from now? Well, I think nobody knows, okay. and that's part of the problem. But I don't know a lot about coronavirus. It's not my area. I just know I, I believe that uh, people making the decisions are making the right ones, and uh, they're going to try to keep us from getting in trouble. You were at, Did you go to Indianapolis this week? I did not make it over. It got canceled before I got okay, there. Okay, all right. I was going to I ask, was going to. But I was going to ask you if you were around any of the players and, and – uh, I understand, you know, it's it's tough on them. I mean, you have, they have to be uh, they have to be treated differently than you know. This is a tough situation for them. It is. I mean, um, they they work pretty hard on. <laughs> yeah, especially the Illinois team, who was sort of set to have a run. I felt, and uh, but I don't think there's any choice. This had to be done, and it's good for the biggest number of people. Visiting with Dr. Robert Gertler, longtime team doctor, team orthopedic surgeon. Uh, you can talk in general terms on this. You don't have to mention any names. But in dealing with coaches over the years, I'm sure you've had uh, some confrontations or certainly conversations on whether or not a player should play. And just talk a little bit about that and some of the behind-the-scenes things that go into that. Quite frankly, that's something I'm very proud of, and I'm proud of University of Illinois because – in all the years, yes, I've had confrontations on whether a kid can play, but I knew from the beginning 
that I was 100% backed by the university, that my decisions to do the right thing would always be backed. Uh, I do remember coaches, let's just say, getting in my face, and then they'd say, okay, Doc, can he play? And the answer is, well, sorry, no. And, but I knew I could say that with 100% backup. So um, that's something I think the University of Illinois can be proud of. You weren't referring to anything with Mike White, were you? I did have some confrontations <laughs> with Mike White. Well, Mike, Mike would come on strong, but I could see him also, say, once you settled it with him, uh, that he'd accept it. Usually the next day he'd apologize. Yeah, right. He, he did have to sleep on it a few times. He had yes. to sleep on a lot of things a few times. Well, I would guess that he wouldn't be the only guy in that, that situation. Oh, that, that? Everybody's focused on what they, sure. they need to do and what they're doing and have an opinion. Well, coaches obviously have a different agenda than doctors, mm-hmm. and our our job is to keep kids safe. Their job is to win games, and uh, as long as everybody understands the other job, then then it, it's always worked out. The NFL lists the injuries each week and announces it. Mm-hmm. The colleges don't. Should they? I don't think necessarily. Uh, I would say that that's the individual's business. It's it's not anybody else's business what, say, your starting center's injury was. Um, it's a, I see it as a privacy thing. Now, these kids aren't getting paid. It's The NFL's a little different, but I would say no. I think it's privacy. You mentioned centers, and immediately my mind went to Ephraim Winters, and then it goes to uh, Kenny Battle, uh, you know, situations where they were injured and you had to get them back to play within a day or so. Were you involved in those with Rod Cardinal? Oh, yeah. That was quite a quite a run when the uh, the Humphrey Dome leaked oh, yeah. and leaked, we had water yeah. on the floor. Yeah. That was quite, quite a thing. Battle slipped on it. That's right. Uh, I do remember we were at Penn State uh, playing Penn State. Rocky Harvey was the running back and he hurt his knee uh, and I had to examine him at halftime and decide whether he was good to go. And I examined it. He, he seemed fine, and, and uh, all the tests were negative, and I let him go back, and he was fine. But, uh, frankly, those are difficult decisions sometimes. And you had to sweat it out if it yeah, turned out. Yeah, you sweat it out a little bit. <laughs> that there was something you hadn't seen that would be, be your fault. Huh? That's right. So you work pretty closely, obviously, with guys like Rod Cardinal and Paul Schmidt, uh, the training uh, guys, and uh, talk about that relationship a little bit. Well, Rod was here when I came. I almost feel like he's still here (laughs) because he's not very far away. Um, Maybe one of the most wonderful gentlemen I've ever met in my life. Um, I always tell the story that Rod could get you to do something very onerous, and in the end you say, thank you, Rod, for letting me do that for you. (laughs) <laughs> he just had that skill, that social skill. I saw Rod Cardinal at the game the other night yeah. when we were playing mm-hmm. Iowa, I think mm-hmm. it was, and they were carrying those big uh, plaques off the f- for the senior night, and the guy was having trouble. And here comes Rod coming out of the stands, goes down, grabs the stuff, and takes it, you know takes it on into the locker room for the guy. I mean, I just thought that's the kind of guy he is. I mean, he wouldn't think of not trying to help. That is correct, and and that and you're right. That's just the type of person he is. So, I worked with Rod many many years. You mentioned you wanted to do some traveling at some point. Yes. What else are you going to do in retirement? 
Well, actually, I'm going to be living in Colorado, and um, but coming back and forth to Champaign a lot. This has been my home for 36 years, so I have a lot of connection here. But um, uh, there are a lot of hiking trails out there that I want to explore. <laughs> Don't get lost. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, we miss you on those breakfasts we used to have before games. Yeah. You know, yeah, the road trips with football were fun because uh, Friday night and early in the morning, and usually pretty early, um, none of us had much to do. <laughs> so it was nice to have a conversation. Good to have this conversation. Appreciate you coming Thank in. Thank you very much. That's Dr. Robert Gertler. We are past the 10 o'clock hour, 10.08, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. And on Ipella Saturday, Sports Talk continues till 11, and we're back after this. Ten twelve is the time. Illini Fellows Saturday Sports Talk. Phone line is open if you'd like to join us. Josh Whitman will join us coming up uh, towards the bottom of the hour. Mr. Tate, what else is on your mind this morning? Well, I don't think there's anything else <laughs> on my mind other than... Uh, uh, who won that? Uh, oh, there weren't any games. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. You know, I, I just think I have heard some reactions initially that... Uh, we were overreacting, and you know, you you see that on Twitter, you see it on the on the internet that the people feel like we've gone too far in calling everything off. Why couldn't we have played games without crowds? Why couldn't the golfers play without, you know, you can play golf without a crowd for sure, as long as you have the TV thing uh, set up, uh, that'll work. And and I kind of halfway agree with that, Steve. I don't understand why you can't play golf. You got mostly young guys out there, and and. Uh, you could limit uh, the number of people that are assisting on that. Uh, I'd be interested to know if anybody feels that way. I think uh, the key word you said there was initially. I think a lot of people thought it was an overreaction uh-huh. initially. Yeah. Me included. Yeah. I thought, well, I, th- I think you could get through this Big Ten tournament. and But the more you look at it, the more you hear about it, it's bigger than that. Yeah, it is. It is a worldwide thing, obviously. Let's go to the phones. Three five six nine three nine seven is the number. Tom calling in Champaign. Go ahead, Tom. Hi. I'd like to just talk a little bit about the past, since the present doesn't really have a whole lot to offer for a sport. Um, just making use of Lauren Tate's uh, vast knowledge. Uh, do you remember the 1946 Illinois uh, football season? Absolutely. Yes, I do. Were you you able to go to any? Yes, I went to several home games, yes. It's like you went to the uh, Wisconsin game. They were ranked. You went to the Ohio State. Was that the biggest game, the Ohio State game? I thought so. I remember remember Rykovich intercepting the ball on the two-yard line and returning it for a touchdown to win the game when Ohio State was in a position to win the game with a field goal. um, Okay, that's like that's the one game I that's the one game I have the best memory of, and that's a long time ago. And I, and the reason <laughs> I have a memory of it is because I keep I've thought about it repeatedly over time. You know, I've never seen the film right. of it, but I just remember the quarterback throwing that ball out to the right when I was scared to death they were going to kick a field goal and win the game. But uh, was that late in the fourth quarter? Yes, it was in the fourth quarter. Yes. I don't know how late it was now. I can't remember, but it was late. <laughs> and uh, it says here the captain was Mac Wentz-Kunis. Captain was player? the center, Mac Wentz-Kunis, who died real young. I think he died in the war. 
or, or no, obviously he didn't die in the war. He died in a in a in a um, I think a car accident or something. Mac oh, wow. died real young. I I remember him very well. Yes, he was the captain in the center on the team. Yeah, they said it said here he's from Georgetown, so mm-hmm. he was close by. Yeah, and uh, do you? I assume you remember the Rose Bowl too against UCLA. Watching that. Yeah, I I watched it on TV. I guess I don't remember much about it. Okay, but it was obviously a great season for us. We won the Big Ten, won the Rose Bowl. So mm-hmm. who knows? Who knows what would have happened here with the basketball in a 2020? But um, and at that point too, was football bigger than basketball? Like as far as Illinois fans? Never. <laughs> the whiz kids were were coming back in 47 and basketball this has always been a basketball crazy place and the whiz kids left after the 43 season when they were no, you know they're tops in the country and everybody thought they'd win the national championship and they went to the they went to the service and broke up and they didn't go to the tournament but i i don't football was really big i mean when, when you win the championship and win a rose bowl football is really big but you know, I think basketball just was always big in those days. They went to the went to the Final Four in '49 and '51 and '52. I mean, all Harry Combs I think went to the Final Four in like three of his first four or five years. And uh, basketball was, I mean, you go to Huff Gym and it was just crazy there. What like the the Ohio State game you went to <clears throat> in '46 was it packed? Was it Memorial Stadium? I think so, but out? I can't remember that. But yeah, I think so. I think we had, I think we had sellout crowds up for that team. All these all these servicemen were back. Illinois had a terrific team. It was a it was a great season. And, but uh, yeah, that's yeah. It, I'm looking at the attendance here, and it says sixty one thousand five hundred nineteen. So that okay. looks like pretty much a sellout. Yeah. Just curious, they, Tom. They why did you pick that uh, that year, that particular season, to talk about? Well, I thought it'd be something that he would remember because I believe you'd be sixteen in 1946 or fifteen, something like that. Yeah, I would. I would have been a sophomore in high school. And that's the year my dad was born too. I see. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, the year that the three presidents we've had recently was born. Uh, Clinton, Bush, and uh, and uh, Trump. Uh, there's also another game here. We played Notre Dame at home, and uh, we lost. Do you remember that at all? I, I no, I don't. I kind of, I, I I'd be mixed up if I started talking about. It. I do remember Edelman returning a touchdown, a kick for a touchdown against Notre Dame, getting called back. What was the score of that game? Was it fourteen to seven? We lost, we lost twenty-six to six. Okay, that's a different. Game. Okay, there were. There were seventy-five thousand people at at Memorial Stadium. <laughs> it was the biggest crowd by far that year. Well, Tom, we appreciate the call. There's going to be a lot of uh, conversations, kind of like this, going on in the in the yeah, weeks we ahead. Got, I think you got to go back in history now. I got, I got yeah. a report here. the The Florida Senate just voted and named Florida State the NCAA basketball champion <laughs> for this season. We need to get our we need to get our legislature busy here. They're they're falling behind. We could vote. They should vote Illinois the number one. Anything else, well, Tom? We, we would have won. So <laughs> I, right. I agree with you. I think we would have won the national championship. So we, we Looked like it to me. <laughs> hey, Tom. Thanks for the call. Yeah, we appreciate it. Three five six nine three nine seven is the number. If you'd like to join us, feel free to do so. We'll take a time out and be back with more Alani Pella Saturday Sports Talk in just a moment.
Welcome back to the show, everybody. We are on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Welcome to join us, 356-9397. A lot of people felt, uh, Lauren, that uh, Illinois was in good position to uh, make a run. Of course, everybody's saying that these days. I but it's say a that tournament. now, but you and I were really worried we are going to have to play Iowa well, I, <laughs> again. You're right. And you know what? I didn't care about that because I figured that, that game – Right. Didn't mean much in the big picture, when the big win picture. or lose. But I just didn't know how Illinois was going to be able to stop Garza. He's just such a force. And uh, I was worried that uh, Wieskamp and uh, Frederick would bounce back from the really bad game that they had against Illinois. I mean, the bad game was part Illinois defensive pressure, but uh, by the same token. And Frederick saying the things he did, you remember that? And yeah. every time they fell me on every possession. <laughs> yeah, I've never been guarded quite like that. Well, <laughs> that's that's their job to guard you. And then, of course, as soon as they did that, somebody found a picture of Io going up for a layup being wrapped up by two guys. Yeah, both arms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it's just hard to to come up with things to say about uh, the situation in the long run when everybody was looking so much forward towards uh, the postseason towards the tournament, a good run there in March. You know, you have this time of year, you have March Madness. You've got the Masters for we golf fans, and you got to start a Major League Baseball season. And the NBA is winding down into the playoffs. So is the National Hockey League. Everything's going on but football, and colleges said, are getting ready for spring football. The month of March is the best season of yeah. all, you know, because you got all these things starting. you got <laughs> others winding up. It's just a perfect season for sports, and it's all dead. And I guess there was no way to salvage any of it. I, what was your perspective on the uh, the ghost games, the games without fans? Well, I didn't like it, but I was okay with it, I guess. How much danger would anybody be in if you played games? I mean, how is that different uh, strategically more so than just, say, practice? If you don't have anybody there. I mean, you got the TV cameras in, in addition but beyond the announcers, is there anything? I mean, is there any reason why you would the, you would have a problem that way? I don't know that. I, I it just seemed to me that some of this was possible, but I, I understand why it wasn't done. And yet, I would think that uh, you could had if you had the games on TV, that would captivate a nation. <laughs> if you had, I went, Steve, I went home and I turned on ESPN. One of the might not have been ESPN. It was a sports station. And I looked up, and they're doing the Auburn-Tennessee basketball game in 2009. Now, who would want to watch? Can you imagine the problem of trying to fill all those hours at ESPN, ESPN2, ESPNU, all the other sports stations, Fox? There'll be a lot of best-ofs, a lot of replays. Oh, my goodness. Some uh, some establishments might, might uh, try to pull out uh, – some of the big games, like the Arizona-Illinois game, and yeah. show that at a particular time. Let's go back to the phones, and we wouldn't be complete without some thoughts from Marty in Pinehurst, North Carolina. Hey, Marty. Morning, Steve. Morning, Lauren. I'll tell you one thing. When you turn your TV on and you look up your guide and you're on the MLB or one of the other sports channels and all it says is to be announced, mm-hmm. you know you're in trouble. Yeah. I have a question that that this is it's odd that I would think of this, but I'm trying to figure out what Scott Ritchie and Lauren Tate and assorted other sports writers are going to be doing for a couple months. Well, we're going to find out, aren't we? <laughs> I don't know. Yes, we are. What, 
I got one written for tomorrow. I, I got a story written for tomorrow, and I don't know what the one will be the following Sunday. But something always happens. It always does. Yeah, it always I'm, has. Yeah, you being a columnist, I can see. But what do you do with these day-to-day writers? I mean, I understand you can cover about a week's worth. But if this thing lingers on, you guys are going to be struggling to come up with topics to write about. Well, I think you're going to see a, a lot of uh, sports people moving on to the news side. I don't think there's any doubt yeah. that elections and different things like that, uh, you'll see that uh, they'll they'll be helping the uh, the news side because the news side is hard-pressed in terms of uh, numbers of people, gotcha. and there's no doubt gotcha. that that's, what, that's what's going to happen. I don't think people are going to be laid off, but I do think that their, their roles uh, at the newspaper will change. That makes sense. Of course, you know uh, they're already postponing some of these primary elections in some states. I saw that. I, th- yeah. I I heard they were gonna I heard they were gonna ho- uh, postpone the November election and just let uh, Trump stay in for four more years. Did you hear that? <laughs> oh yeah, that'll go over well with about half the country. That'll really. Ah, you're just trying to instigate, aren't you, Lauren? <laughs> well, you hear all kinds of you're, things. <laughs> you're gonna drive up the calls into the radio. Sh- uh, I know that's now. what that's I'm trying good. to do. <laughs> He's trying to figure Very out a way to carry on. Steve, I figure if I say something Steve really did, stupid. Go ahead. Did you know Lauren was such a marketing genius, Steve? <laughs> yes, I did, because there are times during uh, slow times in the program, during a commercial break, I say, okay, Lauren, it's time for you to say something stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that usually works. Uh, I can do that. <laughs> I don't even have to on the, try. On the, on the bright side, this should give some people more time to play golf. Yes, golf courses, and for the most part, it's are open. snowing here. By the way, it is. He's got uh, Steve has got his orange golf balls out. No, <laughs> it won't be snowing. Or I use yellow ones myself, Steve. But down here, it's sixty-five degrees and sunny. If you need to come somewhere to play today, well, I played a couple times this past week, and uh, looks like we'll play a couple of times next week. And hopefully, the golf courses in the area stay open once this uh, bit of a late winter uh, blitz gets through. But uh, what else is on your mind, Marty? Well, I, I hated to see uh, all the delays, but uh, it, it is a, a national crisis, and such is life. We learn how important uh, we all are to each other, so to speak. And uh, I'm glad to see almost a few politicians starting to act like they're thinking of the national interest instead of their political power interests. So uh, I'm going to miss baseball, though. That's going to be a problem. So I'm, I'm hoping they figure a way to get games going before long, but it's going to take them a couple more weeks to start spring training back up because pitchers, you know, you sit for a couple weeks, you're going to have to get geared back up. So it's going to be interesting. Yep. Hey, Marty. I don't, what, I don't know what to say. It's just going to be a little boring. Yep. Thanks for the call. We so, appreciate it. Feel free to call anytime. Okay, we might need care. you. You might, you might be a co-host one of these days. You never know. Well, as you know, Steve, I can talk long enough to fill time if you ever need somebody. Thanks. We appreciate it. Moving up on uh, the bottom of the hour at uh, 10.30, it's 10.27 right now, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. If you'd like to join us, feel free. We've got an open line segment going. Josh Whitman is making his way into the building. He's going to sit down with us here in a little bit. But Alan in Montrose, go ahead, Alan. Hey, guys, morning. Uh, Lauren, when was the last time Illinois uh, won a championship in basketball? What year was that? Big Ten Championship in 2005. Uh, was that their last game of the year? Was no, that? I mean, no, I mean the last game of the year. 
like national championship, but like uh, the big they, when they lost to North Carolina, fifty-five. What's that? Uh, I'm talking about winning the NIT championship, or did they ever win the championship in basketball? No, they've never won an NCA oh, or an NIT. Although we got to the Final Four of the NIT in Madison Square Garden one year and lost to Minnesota. Hmm. What's your? Uh, so I guess you guys realize what happened this year for the first time ever in history. What? They ended on a win. They ended on a win. Yeah. Well, that's not true because we won. Uh, we when we played in the Final Four uh, back in the fifties, we won our consolation games. True. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's yeah. right. They did play play third place game, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. Yeah. Third place game. Yeah. That's the one I was wondering if they would continue that, particularly with the plan. In high school, when they uh, we expect, uh, and I'm sure Josh Whitman will tell us we're going to get the uh, high school tournament back here, <laughs> but um, I I was thinking if you're going to play it all on one weekend, as they're going to play all four divisions on one weekend, why would you even bother with the uh, the third place games? But they say, uh, I think Mike Coon said the other day, yeah, they want to go through with those. It's financially uh, advantageous to do that, and and uh, I just thought. You know, from my standpoint, I hope they don't play those third place games at night. I I pr prefer to see the you know the championship games at night. Hey, Alan, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Yep. Ten thirty. WDWs Champaign Urbana. Alan Ipella Saturday Sports Talk will continue in just a moment. Josh Whitman is here. Welcome back to the program, everybody. Alan Ipella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. As we uh, move our way through, heading towards 11 o'clock today, Josh Whitman, Illinois Athletic Director, has taken time to spend with us here in the studio. Good morning, Josh. Good morning, guys. What are you going to do today? <laughs> That's a fair question. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't planning on shoveling snow, I can tell you that. Uh, but uh, I was really hoping to be over in Indianapolis watching a, a good Illini basketball game. Kind of hard to, to wrap your arms around this. Everything happened so quickly, but... Take us back a little bit to, to midweek and how this kind of fell into place as far as you're concerned. It went from, it, it happened so fast, it, it, not hourly, it was by the minute almost, things changed. And just talk about your emotions and the roller coaster ride and the whole thing. As I was saying before we got on the air, it, it really is unlike anything I've ever experienced. And, and hopefully we'll never have an opportunity to experience it again. We were Arrived in Indianapolis on Wednesday. We had Big Ten meetings that had already been scheduled uh, for that Wednesday afternoon. And as I, I mentioned yesterday during the, the press conference, we had a full agenda of other things to talk about and didn't really get to any of those because we, we spent the entire meeting, uh, what, which grew to be three, three and a half hours, talking about this. And as we're talking, everybody's on their phones. Things are happening in the outside world that are affecting uh, what what might have happened with the tournament and um, and so it, it felt uh, like we were just sort of standing on the brink of it as it was all unfolding right in front of us. I think there was a, a sense from the group that at a minimum we were interested in moving toward, I think Lauren's using the ghost uh, concept where, you know, the, an empty arena playing the games on television only essentially. Um, but then as, as you left, you felt like uh, that, that that may not be the, the final resting point. I, I think that, that evening I went back to the – to the hotel and was doing some work and we had a couple conference calls and then I made a decision that I, I felt like I, I could just see things weren't going to stop and so I, I felt like I needed to be here uh, to help navigate things on Thursday so since the games 
uh, were, were going to be closed to the outside anyway. I, I jumped in the car Wednesday night and was driving back here uh, when the NBA made the decision to suspend play. And I felt like that, in a lot of ways, was the tipping point. Once one of the athletes identified with the virus, uh, that was, of course, everybody's greatest fear. And, and you know, we had talked about in our meetings what happens if – how do you handle it if, say, a softball player on your team gets identified with, with the virus? Who, where do you stop the quarantine? You can't just say, well, it's just the softball players. Well, what about the people she interacted with at the varsity room when she was having dinner and, and the people who were in the, the, the training room when she was getting treated on her hamstring and people who were in the weight room when she was working out and – it just grows so exponentially fast. It's hard to draw the lines and figure out how you try and cauterize against the continued spread of, of the virus. And uh, and so I wasn't surprised when uh, when I woke up Thursday morning, yeah, Thursday morning, and uh, and realized that it seemed like we were heading that way to, to shutting the tournament down. Uh, and then of course once uh, a league like ours does it, a couple of the other uh, notable leagues, and I think everybody else fell into place and. Um, and, and I think really uh, would have been tough for the NCAA to, to keep the tournament in place once all, it, almost every conference in the country had, had suspended their own. So um, it's, uh, it's happened incredibly quickly, as you said, Steve, and uh, one of those things where sometimes we've, we're making these decisions, we're putting in place a communication plan, and before we can get the communication out, the decision needs to be changed because right. something else has happened and um, just just really unprecedented in terms of the scope. and. Um, uh, just a, a tough series of days. What's the economic impact? Uh, all these televised games were valuable to the not only the Big Ten, but then you go into the NCA. And what is our contract? What is the NCA contract with uh, on television? All great I mean, questions that, that I mean, uh, you know just haven't haven't risen to the to the front of the list yet. I mean, we certainly know that those that there will be implications, financial implications. Uh, for the Big Ten tournament, for the NCAA tournament. Um, think about for BTN with for the re- rest of the spring semester, all the programming that they were planning to put on, whether it's baseball games, softball games, uh, gymnastics, uh, and, and everything else that was yet to come over the course of the spring uh, now isn't there. And so uh, there's a, a lot to be untied uh, in terms of, of those agreements. There are a lot of people who are much smarter than me, I think, looking at those contracts and trying to understand what – some of the implications will be, and uh, as as time passes here, it's uh, it's not uh, distant on the list, but it certainly isn't at the top of the list right now. We're so focused on on our students uh, and understanding uh, what this means for them and their opportunities, and and that's really uh, been our priority here for the first few days. Talk about uh, the treatment for the students and the people that you're bringing in to talk about. Uh, just say the basketball. You, you take a guy like. Uh, Feliz, his final game, you know, and, and uh, what this means to him. He's fought so hard to be here. I mean, I'm just thinking about the seniors and, and Kipper. I mean, uh, what, what, are, what kind of um, help are you providing? Well, we're, we're just trying to be there for them. I, I think that in, despite the challenges that this situation has presented, it, it also has given us great opportunity to remember what's so great about sports. And, and at the end of the day, in my mind, what I love so much about what we do is the relationships that we form and, and the trust and the connections that you build. And and so in these hard moments, we rely on each other. Uh, and so it's important for our coaches, our, our strength staff, our academic staff, our athletic training staff, those people who really develop these incredibly tight connections to all of our student athletes to be available 
for conversations to be there to to help these student athletes grapple with a, an incredibly dramatic and, and momentous moment here for for in their experiences and in their lives uh, and then and then of course we'll provide professional support as well we have a lot of mental health uh, professionals who are around our program uh, who work routinely with our student athletes and we'll be sure that they're connected to those students who need support here over the coming weeks now you have contracts that have special clauses in them uh, if you win X number of games if you advance in the tournament i mean how do you handle that all good questions oh, Lauren. I mean, it's, new it's, for you, huh? it's a long list i mean there, there are a long list of things that we need to systematically work through here over the, the coming weeks as i said the, these first few days have been uh, as much focused on the students as, as they can be um, but but there are business elements to this there's certainly personnel elements to this as you allude to um, that that we'll need to uh, to work through as well and um, and, and there are implications. I mentioned this yesterday. We're starting to talk through our summer camp program. What does that mean? Uh, you think through for our spring sport coaches. Uh, as you mentioned, they've got different uh, provisions in their contracts that provide for bonuses given certain levels of performance. And uh, if all of a sudden those bonuses aren't available to them and then maybe some of the additional income that comes from summer camps isn't available to them, that could be a, a pretty significant hit on what they would anticipate their, their annual uh, expected income to, to be. And so we've got to think through all that and, and certainly want to be fair to people. Um, but it's, uh, again, we're in uncharted waters here and we just need to um, to work through these things as, as carefully and judiciously as we can. Do you support uh, an extra year of eligibility for the spring athletes? And could that be done for winter athletes as well? And how hard would that be? I, I do support it. I, I think it's it's easy in in theory to to support that that idea, particularly for the for the spring sports student athletes. I spent some time this morning uh, communicating with some different members of our staff about what some of the ripple effects of that would be. It's not as clear cut as people might originally think, and uh, whether it's uh, making sure that those student athletes who want to return. Uh, have eligibility uh, in terms of uh, you have to be enrolled in class. And a lot of them are prepared to graduate this this spring. Maybe some of them have already graduated. What would be involved in, in getting them back as a full-time student so that they could continue to participate next year? Uh, the financial aid limi- limitations, every sport has a, has a cap on the number of scholarships they can provide. Uh, most of our coaches have already allocated out next year's financial aid based on an understanding that certain pieces of that were going to become available at the end of the semester. Uh, you've got uh, Title IX considerations. You've got simple things like uniforms and lo- numbers of lockers and um, and what would be the associated costs of having an expanded travel party when you put them on an airplane or put them up in a hotel. Uh, all of that can be worked through, but it needs to be worked through. And so uh, we're starting to, to think through uh, what all that would mean uh, and then also, it's not just your seniors. Are you returning a year of eligibility to everybody who was right. on the team this year? And so someone who was a sophomore on the tennis team this year, do they come back as a sophomore again next year? And what are the, the long-term implications of that in terms well, of what, – What's been the reaction to that part for underclassmen? Well, it'd be, it would be hard, I think, to distinguish between the seniors and everybody else. Okay. And, you know, and so if you're saying that the, the seniors were – quote-unquote robbed of an opportunity by virtue of, of what's happened, you could make that same argument for every person who's on those teams. And so uh, if – It would be the, like a red shirt. It, it could be essentially a red shirt, um, which, which is exactly 
the conversation that's happening. Then Steve mentioned there's also been the suggestion that for winter sports student-athletes who were denied the opportunity to compete in a Big Ten championship event or in a in an NCAA championship event, uh, how far out do we extend that, that, that opportunity? So, uh, so many questions uh, to be answered and, and a lot of conversations that are ongoing at, at every different level of college athletics that will uh, we'll, we'll be an active participant in those conversations and we'll, uh, we'll see where we ultimately land. Not to pile on, but Thanks. Football, <laughs> football season's not that far away, college football season. I mean, that's got to be on somebody's radar. It's absolutely on our radar. Yeah. I think that, you know, as we've said to, to different groups internally, that the coronavirus doesn't exist on a semester-by-semester schedule. Yeah. Uh, and so although we've kind of framed everything in terms of the remainder of this spring semester, um, there's nothing to say that it just magically is going to solve itself over the summer and that we're going to be in a position to resume business as usual in the fall and, and we very well might be and certainly we need to plan for that sure. um, but we also need to plan for the contingency that um, things are, are still very much up in the air and and what does that mean is is a, a great question I think that we don't want to be in a situation where we're turning the lights off turning them on turning them off turning them on I think that you know there will be there will come a decision point presumably at some point this summer where we need to to make a call and and hopefully that call is okay let's resume operation resume competition um and once we do that then we can go full bore and and be all in um but but getting to that point um will really require a lot of discussion a lot of evaluation of of the data that's available to all of us uh in these positions and uh and and it'll be a big moment when we uh, when that conversation uh, comes to a head if the classrooms are closed at the university is the weight room closed? Can players work out on their own? Well, that's a great question, and, and one that we've spent a lot of time talking about here over the last few days. Um, the, the short answer is, is, as much as we would like them to be open, the answer is probably going to be not, uh, because the university is encouraging our student-athletes to go to their permanent homes. And, and so we want to be sure that the messaging we're providing to our student athletes doesn't incentivize them to operate counter to what the university is saying. And so if it, we all know our student athletes, they're incredible. They're, they're driven, they're competitive, they want to be around their teammates, they want to be here on campus. And, and we know that um, one of the carrots for them to do that would be, hey, if you're here, you can still come to the workout facility, you can still lift in our weight room, you can still uh, study in our academic services space. Um, and if we do that, they're, they're going to show up, and, and that doesn't really fit with what the university is trying to accomplish. And so, But if, if they can't work out at the university, they'll work out somewhere. They'll go to another – they'll go to a fitness center. They'll go, they'll, the football players are going to work out. They, they probably – they should be. They should be, absolutely. Therefore. But, <laughs> but, the, but the point is that the campus is trying to encourage people to go to their homes. Okay. And so if, if we're creating an incentive for the student-athletes to – disobeys a strong word but 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 to make their own voluntary decision to be here on campus and that's not what the university wants them to do then that's not that doesn't fit with with our obligation to the to the campus um, and so we'll, we'll have a certain number of student athletes who we suggest should be here uh, student athletes who maybe are recovering from a surgery or from an injury uh, student athletes who would benefit from in-person academic support um, some of our international student athletes but Beyond that, we're, we're trying to 
comply with the directives and instructions we're getting from the university and encouraging them to go to their permanent homes. And we're trying to put in place a set of, of incentives and policies that uh, encourage that behavior. And, uh, and, and so there's, there's bigger things at issue here than just making sure they have a place to lift weights. This is off topic, and I don't know how high it is on your radar at the moment, but is there any update on the, the situation at Stone Creek with the golf course? Uh, n- nothing to update. No, no. It's um, you know something obviously that um, that I think has great opportunity and, and potential for the city of Urbana uh, for the Stone Creek uh, golf course, also the, the surrounding community, the Stone Creek residences, uh, and, and of course the University of Illinois and, and our student athletes and our athletic program. Uh, we're grateful to the to the Atkins Group for engaging with us in the conversation. We're we've been uh, pleased with the support that we've received from the city of Urbana. Had the opportunity last week to uh, to meet with the homeowners group out there at, at Stone Creek and felt like that conversation went very well. Um, so we're still in in those discussions and, and hope to have more to share with people uh, in the near future. What do you do in your spare time? <laughs> I, I might have a little more spare time here. Today. I don't know. I don't know. You're gonna have. Some, you got some weighty decisions. There's a lot. A uh, lot moving. That's um, why you're a you're a runner. You can get out and do all your best got, thinking when you're got a there. few miles in this morning. Got some. <laughs> got some good thinking done for and sure. You're still involved with the council in in April, I guess, uh, relative to the transfer rule. I, I am. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, that's an issue that hasn't gone away. It's funny how quickly. Uh, because of the coronavirus situation, everything else sort of gets pushed to the yeah. back burner. But there are uh, the daily operational things that uh, up until uh, Monday or Tuesday were, were still very much uh, at the front of the at the front of the line. And um, I've, I've been um, humbled by the opportunity to be on the, the transfer waiver working group over with the NCAA. And not something I can speak a lot about, but it certainly is a, an open issue and one that we're continuing to talk about. Uh, regularly and, and uh, expect that we'll have more information from that group uh, coming out here in the in the next com- several months. We said we'd keep you 15 minutes. We blew past that. But uh, any, any final words you'd like to, to let people know what uh, what's ahead, what you're thinking, what's going to be done? You know, I, I think maybe a couple final thoughts. Um, number one, I, I just I think it, it's um, incumbent on me to make sure that everybody understands that you know we are working here as as a university and as an athletic program, uh, making the best decisions that we can in, in the moments that we have uh, to, to serve uh, the health and well-being of our student athletes, of our student population, of our university community, and more broadly of our Champaign-Urbana communities. And uh, you know, when we met with our, our coaches the other day and as we've started to communicate more actively with our student athletes, we, so often we're always trying to to push the envelope. We're always looking for that competitive advantage. We're always looking to try and say, well, if I can't do this, can I do that? In this case, it's it's really required a de-escalation. We, we all just need to, to stand down and recognize that there are bigger issues at play here uh, related to our health and well-being that, that don't necessarily translate into competitive success, wins and losses, and that's um, that's unusual. We've never been in that environment before. It's always about competitive success. It's always about wins and losses. It's always about preparation. Um, and so this is uh, truly uh, a new space for all of us. It requires a, a pivot in the way that we think. And uh, we, we appreciate the, the support of our fans and, and everybody who follows our program. And uh, as we make some of these hard decisions, we know it, they're, they're not easy and they're not um, they're not fun for anybody who enjoys being around the athletic program. And then I think the last thing I, I would say is just a, a tremendous um, 
thanks to, to so many people. I, I think that, you know, now that we didn't know this was going to happen, but the 2019-2020 Illinois Athletics campaign has come to a conclusion. And uh, it, it really has been an exciting year. Uh, and, and we're so grateful to so many people who have had a hand in making that possible, both internal to the athletic program and uh, in the outside world as well. And, and these last few months, especially here, starting with you know, the bowl game and, and continuing through basketball season, um, to see the, the fire return to our Illini family and to, to, uh, to see State Farm Center full, to, to see the orange and blue people walk in the streets and to feel the energy in our community and across our campus, it really has, um, I think, captured the imaginations uh, of, our, of our fan base, of our student body, of so many people connected to our athletic program, and that has been uh, incredibly rewarding for me, and I hope something that has uh, brought a lot of happiness and, and excitement to, to the people who follow our program closely. It's, uh, the, the year got cut short, but I don't think that should do anything to diminish from what this year has meant for, uh, for our program and for everybody connected to it. And so I just want to say thanks to everybody who's uh, been a part of it and supported us along the way. It's not always been um, the easiest climb, and, and we're certainly not done climbing. Um, but uh, but feel like we've uh, we've made a really positive step this year, and we look forward to uh, using it as as a springboard to even greater success in the years ahead. First interview, no no hockey. <laughs> we Again, ask- it's funny how things just get pushed to the back burner. <laughs> Josh, we appreciate your time. When you took the job, you knew it was going to be a challenge. Uh, you didn't know the definition of challenge, perhaps. Sometimes you you sometimes you see the things coming, and sometimes you don't. Right. And um, Certainly, we've been watching this one from a distance for for a little while, but uh, the rate at which it it uh, it got up on us and uh, the, the the steps that have been required here in the last few days are uh, unexpected, but uh, but I think very necessary and appropriate, and um, really pleased. I, I should say too, I've been very impressed with the leadership that we've received, uh, starting at the conference level with our our new commissioner Kevin Warren. You talk about. Baptism well, by fire. Something, oh boy! <laughs> um, but then also the NCAA, uh, and then more locally here uh, at the University of Illinois, both at the system level and at the campus level. Um, you know the things that we're working through within the athletic program are just a small microcosm of the issues facing our entire university and and certainly our broader community. And uh, it's been rewarding for me to uh, to watch some of our leaders at work and uh, to be there to support and assist them. In, uh, in making some of these big decisions that have pretty far-reaching implications for a lot of people. Josh, again, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Josh Whitman, everybody. We'll take a break and be back with more right here on DWS after this. Well, we're about a minute before 11 o'clock here on the Lanai Pella Saturday Sports Talk. If you haven't been to uh, the Pella Window Store, get out there uh, sometime next week and check things out at 1001 North Country Fair Drive. In Champaign, uh, ask about their new uh, new products, and they'll be glad to show you those. And we'll tell you more about those as we move along. A couple of notes here, one note at least: the Monday night sports talk show at the Esquire will not be at the Esquire on Monday night. We'll be doing that show from the uh, studio. Matter of fact, our season run from last September through now at the Esquire is most likely done for the season. We were going to be done shortly anyway at the end of this month. So we'll, we'll have the show Monday night, but it will be from the studio. Tom Michael, EIU Athletic Director, will be one of our guests. Good. Mr. Tate, appreciate it. We got through it with Will Leach, Josh Whitman, 
John Crispin, Dr. Robert Gertler. We appreciate your calls as well. And we resolve one thing. We don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> we will probably be here next Saturday, but I guess we don't know that for sure either. <laughs> On WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. Have a good weekend, everybody. Talk to you soon.